Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Thank you. Welcome to the Pediatric Sports Medicine Podcast hosted by me, Dr. Mark Halstead. I cover current hot topics and recent research in the world of the young athlete relevant to healthcare professionals. This is the Pediatric Sports Medicine Podcast. Happy New Year, everyone. It's 2024. Sports medicine had an interesting year in 2023, and I thought I'd take a brief moment just to review some of those things that I found most interesting, in my opinion, in 2023 in the world of sports medicine. I'm Dr. Mark Halstead, your host, and this is the Pediatric Sports Medicine Podcast. I actually had intended to do this podcast recording prior to the end of 2023. However, I don't know how many of you out there have been battling various upper respiratory illnesses. I had a nasty one after I came back from the MLS meetings in mid-December, and I was out of town with the family over New Year's, and then when I came back, kind of hit me hard again, and I had another bout of stuff. And so with no voice or a tolerable voice for podcasting, and also just feeling crummy, these got pushed off. I did want to take a little bit of time just to kind of go through things. I think it'd be kind of fun just to highlight a couple things that I thought were interesting. And we're we're at the point now, since we're a little over a week into January of 2024, we're, we're just past a year from the thing that really kind of started off 2023 in the world of sports medicine with big boom. And that was the DeMar Hamlin incident. We did have an episode early in the year that was actually, I think, our first episode of 2023, where we covered Commodio Cordis. And, you know, again, I don't know about all of you. I mean, thinking back in retrospect of that particular incident, I was actually watching the game on TV at the time. And, you know, I saw him go down just like a lot of players go down in the sport of football and didn't think twice until I saw the replay. And then I saw him kind of get up and then collapse down. And at that point, there's there's two things on my mind. There's he had head injury, or this is a cardiac event. And certainly, we saw that this turned out to be a cardiac event. And when you're watching this unfold, and you're seeing and hearing about a particular player getting CPR on the field there, I, I don't know about you, but I was very, very emotional at the time. I mean, I was I was choked up. I was I mean, it was just one of those events that, you know, and you prepare for those as a sports medicine physician, that those are events that, you know, when it happens, you're going to be full go. But when you're seeing your colleagues work on a player like that and seeing that unfold and you have this helpless feeling and you know kind of that this could turn out to be bad and the world is watching, I mean, literally in the standpoint of when we're talking about NFL and NFL games and when we're talking about playoffs, I mean, it's just, it's a tremendous number of people watching and just trying to watch the, or listen to the announcers and watch the announcers try and fumble through just covering this and talking about it, you know, and and then they come back out on the field and they start talking about that they're going to go back to play. I'm like, are you crazy? I go, there's no way from a mental health standpoint, the trauma that's involved with all of these players that just witnessed a player on their team getting CPR, it took a while to go through that whole incident, not knowing what's going to happen to Damar at the time, and then just kind of going and thinking and processing through this. And, you know, I, I, that's something I, I, I care quite a bit about is mental health and athletes. And I just, man, I, I, when they even were even considering that, I'm like, you've got to be crazy. I go, how, how messed up is the NFL to even think about letting the game go on? And then obviously, uh, since this came to be, you saw the coaches talking and then they appropriately cancel the game. And then obviously, you know, everybody's waiting with bated breath to determine what's going to happen to DeMar. Unfortunately, he had a positive outcome. And 
again, it's one of those things that highlighted several key things that we talk about in sports medicine. And I think was a tremendous event in the sense that it raised awareness of the importance of emergency action plans. And I think preparing for those emergency action plans, probably around the country in the world of sports medicine with teams and athletic trainers and team physicians, that whole type of thing has taken a forefront kind of thing where that's what everybody is talking about and everybody's preparing for and where it's it's kind of one of those things that it's it's become almost second nature now. And that event was kind of a catalyst to push those that were probably not doing it as much to, to really move it forward. And, and hopefully that is happening. It brought up the topic of AEDs and why those are important, why knowing CPR is important, why preparing for these events are really important. And again, it just raising awareness of the issue with cardiac. Obviously, you know, the, as I'm scrolling through social media, the time's going on and everybody's speculating that this is COVID related and all this kind of stuff. I mean, I'm just the blood's boiling inside me as I'm thinking about this, just because of the fact that, you know, knowing what that event likely was, was Commodio Cortis and how that had nothing to do with it. It was just a matter of, unfortunately, the perfect hit at the perfect time in the right spot in his chest and the cardiac cycle to cause that event to occur. It's one of those things that, again, we talk about these things that just when people are doing the sports medicine quarterbacking on social media, and, and I admit, I, I, I would do some of that probably earlier in my career. I try and shy away from that just because, again, when you're in that situation, you know what's going on and you have firsthand perspective of what's going on with that event. And then everybody else around you is not really aware. You're, you're seeing what's going on and you may have some knowledge to it, but you don't have that direct knowledge you know, again, it's one of those things that I, I think you can get yourself into a little bit of trouble when you speculate too much. So uh, again, it was one of those incidents uh, led me to kind of meet Stephanie Kuzidem, who has done a lot of advocacy looking at safer sidelines. And we had her on an episode in 2023 as well, talking about safer sidelines and that effort to get AEDs and emergency action plans and having people prepared and having cold tubs, all those types of things that are low cost things that should be at every athletic event. So we are prepared and have access to those types of things. Not to mention that of all the kids of any professional athlete in the world to have a cardiac event during 2023, who has one? Bronny James and brings it to the forefront. And again, you didn't hear as much about Bronny and it's good to see that he's back participating again now. But again, it's one of those things you you have another person and, and the son of probably one of the best basketball players of all time who has this event. And, and again, it brings that discussion first and foremost out there again, as far as, hey, why is it important that we are prepared? Why should we have AEDs available? Why should we have medical personnel at sporting events? Uh, and again, it just kind of added to that. And then as we got further along into 2023, the thing that most of us were anticipating was the release of the Amsterdam concussion guidelines that had been delayed from a couple of years when it was supposed to be, I believe, in Paris, if I remember correctly. I'm a blanket or kind of confusing names and places together. And I know they moved it to Amsterdam, but I'm pretty sure it was Paris. We saw a whole bunch of stuff come out in the terms of we have this new SCOT 6, which is the office-based assessment. We talked about that a little bit when I had uh, Dr. Tina Master on the podcast uh, going through some of the things related to the new things out and how that was relevant to pediatrics. We saw a change in kind of how we're supposed to approach the return to play progression, which again, I did a little episode at the very end of the year, kind of expressing my frustration a little bit about how it made it more complicated 
made it not as user-friendly and not as user-friendly to the common Joe, so to speak. If you're in the world of sports medicine, you're in the world of athletic training, in the world of concussion management, you know, you, you understand what they're talking about there. But, you know, when we're talking about trying to translate this to the millions of kids playing sports and the tons and tons of concussions that happen as a result of those high school sports and younger, I don't find it to be as translatable to a pediatrician in the office and talking about percentage of heart rates and how do we approach that. So again, I express my frustration about that. And I think, again, we just need to go back and look at these things practically. I don't think there was anything dramatic that we saw that happened. We saw the, the addition of dual task assessments as part of the protocols for the SCAT. And just as a little preview for this year, my intention for March of this year when we talk about National Athletic Trainers Month is there's actually five weeks in March or five weekends. And for the first weekend, we'll have an episode as usual, highlighting some athletic trainers and what they do. And then we'll also go through week by week. I have picked out various parts of the SCAT and I'm going to look at it critically. You know, again, I, I have my frustrations with that tool. It's not perfect. There's a lot of things that we do with it that we don't know. Well, what do we do with it? Well, I've got this information now. How do I translate it into management? And then we still talk about, well, the bottom line, it comes down to decision is clinical decision-making. So again, why are we going through the tool? And I'll go through some individual parts and, and again, kind of just give my perspective on a week-by-week -week basis of various parts of that. So I'm looking forward to recording those episodes uh, and having those come out during the month of March, which is also Brain Injury Awareness Month. And then we had some issues in the world of pediatrics that were relevant to us as we saw the NBA state that no longer can physiatrists and pediatricians be head team physicians. This has already been the case in the NFL. I, I was actually a victim of that. And we are hoping to have an episode talking with a couple of my colleagues expressing, you know, should pediatricians be professional sport team physicians? I'm biased on that and say, yes, we absolutely can. We have the skill set and the knowledge base to do that. And I've been involved with that for the vast majority of my career. And, you know, we see that those types of opportunities are taken away and there's less and less that's there with not really great reasoning outside of what I kind of describe as it's the, the PR test, so to speak, is that, well, why is someone who has a pediatric background and training the one who is the team physician for professional athletes? And I get that. I totally get that. You know, if, if we know how fellowship training happens and we understand how fellowship training happens, we certainly know that there is both pediatric and adult training that's happening there. So again, it's one of those things that we, we saw some of those, those roles and opportunities taken away. And I'm very thankful for the professional leagues and organizations like the U.S. Olympics, MLS that I'm involved with currently. NHL, I believe, still allows that to happen. There, there are various leagues that still allow those of us in the world of pediatrics and also physiatry to have that opportunity. And I do appreciate the support of my colleagues and our professional organizations that are trying to pony up. It would be something that I would love to see the American Academy of Pediatrics get behind a little bit, but I don't see them doing that. It, it would be really, really awesome for them to do that and support us as what we do and that we do have those skill sets. But I, obviously, I don't think it's on their forefront as their biggest priority right now. And then we also saw an expansion of a program that the NFL piloted last year of trying to get increasing diversity of team physicians, which is basically mirroring where we want to see the increasing diversity, hopefully, of NFL head coaches, but looking at medical students and getting those involved in the world of sports medicine and having them have opportunities to intern working with NFL teams over the course of the summer. And I believe almost all of the teams, there may be a couple of exceptions, that this past year did have medical students of various diverse backgrounds be part of 
of those medical staffs to kind of observe and do a little mini internship, seeing how that goes at the professional level, trying to increase interest in that area. And also maybe someday getting those people into those particular positions. So again, I I think that was a a positive, but on the whole, you know, uh, same old, same old happens another busy year in sports medicine, clinics, busy patients uh, having very similar concerns and and complaints. You know, I, I think one thing that was interesting to me this year, and again, we can always speculate is, are these things as manifestations of COVID or something else? I saw, uh, as I have a very big interest in stress fractures, saw a lot of odd stress fractures ones that I don't believe I've ever seen a pattern of before, locations of before, which makes me question a little bit. I mean, obviously I've been doing this for 20 years and you don't see everything and you haven't necessarily seen everything, but just ones that, you know, you don't hear about or read about very much as far as ones that come up. And so it just kind of spurs me a little bit as thinking, well, why, why are these particular incidents happening? I am looking forward to, we got another uh, couple weeks from today that uh, the PRISM meeting will be going on in Anaheim, California at the Disneyland Hotel. So I'm looking forward to meeting up with some colleagues for a little bit. And then I also have the benefit, I'm one of the representatives for AMSSM to the update of the team physician consensus statement uh, describing the the team physician and the roles there. So I am hopefully going to be able to be a helpful part of that and hopefully being able to advocate from the pediatric side of things as to why that is important to make sure that we are allowing our diverse group of physicians who are fellowship trained sports medicine physicians, being able to have opportunities at all levels. I just wanted to kind of wrap up things and give a kind of a little brief thoughts here as we start off uh, 2024. I do have several good guests lined up for podcast uh, episodes for this year. I'm looking forward to recording those in the near future. I've got several uh, scheduled and I look forward to this being now I believe year five, as we started 2020, 2021, 2022, 2023. Yeah. So we're, we're in year five here of the podcast. It's been fun. I'm hoping that you're enjoying the episodes as we go on. I do hope to be a little bit more regular this year. I have my last kid who is getting ready to select her college. Then I'll be technically an empty nester, although we do have one of our kids who is still doing college locally here in St. Louis. So sort of pseudo empty nester, but anyhow, I'm also thankful too. this year we did receive a grant in support of producing the podcast by the St. Louis Children's Hospital Foundation. So that is helpful from a standpoint of just financially supporting the efforts that we are doing with this particular project. That's all I have for today. Thank you for uh, taking a brief moment to listen to a little quick episode here. Just looking back at the sports medicine year review of 2023. I do appreciate all of you out there who continue to listen and subscribe to our podcast. Those who are regular listeners, I truly appreciate the support and I look forward to bringing you a bunch of episodes in this upcoming year. Please be sure to check out our entire podcast library at pediatricsportsmedicinepodcast.com. And also be sure to follow us on X slash Twitter at Peds Sports Pod, where we're also on threads and Instagram. And also you can find us on our Facebook page as well. So this is Dr. Mark Halstead, your host, and this has been another episode of the Pediatric Sports Medicine Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you will join us for future episodes. Find my entire library of episodes at pediatricsportsmedicinepodcast.com. I'm Dr. Mark Halstead, and this has been the Pediatric Sports Medicine Podcast.